Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Church Podcast. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy, and God bless.
he first taught us that fearless faith, false evidence appearing real. And he taught us what fear was. Round number two, last week, he taught us how to overcome this fear and how to be above the fears in our life. We learned that fear is false evidence appearing real. But now it's time to stop giving the devil all this credit. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yes, our stumbling blocks are real. Fear is out there. We know that. But the power that is inside of us is unimaginably more great, unimaginably greater than the fears that are outside of us. We serve a God who created the universe. Our faith is in a God who parted the Red Sea for, Abel, for Moses. Our faith is in a God who allowed David to slay the giant Goliath. We serve a God who is great and is unimaginably powerful. We serve a God who allows dead man to live again. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Fear is a real stumbling block. We know this. And we must be equipped with the resources to to fight and defeat it in our lives. However, now we have to turn our attention to faith. And let's turn our attention to the faith part of fearless faith. And today we're going to talk about a faith that persists. Everybody say, a faith faith that that persists. Now, i got to be honest, as excited as I was to talk about this today, I have a confession to make. I was a bit overwhelmed by this topic. You see, faith is one of the most complicated, simple topics in the body of Christ. Faith is one of the most complicated, simple topics in the body of Christ. What do I mean by this? Well, if you're like me, you struggle with having a beneficial and effective definition and understanding of faith. We all know we need it. We all know it's important, but very few of us even know how to accurately define it. So again, if you're like me, you go to the most famous book and famous verse in all the Bible about faith, and you try to learn about it, and you try to get better, and you try to increase your understanding. So you go to it, and you read, and it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you say to yourself, what did I just read? So you go to a more modern translation of the Bible, hoping to gain some clarity about this verse. So you pick up the more modern translation. You go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and you read, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So you go to a wordier translation, hoping that more words will produce more fruit and more clarity about this about this topic. You want more clarity about this wonderfully simple yet painfully complex topic. So you pick up a wordier translation of the Bible. You go and you read in the Amplified Version of the Bible, and it says, now faith is the assurance title, D, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. And the question still remains, 
what did I just read? You're trying to understand this. It's one of the most basic things that we need as a Christian. And you just feel somewhat irritated that faith, although it's so simple, every time I try to pick it up, I'm like, what is going on? So there are some obstacles to understanding faith. But no worries. It's okay. Even though faith is complicated, maybe on the surface, there are simple ways to understand it. And since we're learning about fearless faith, and if we're going to learn about a faith that persists, we have to have an understanding of faith that we can run with. Amen? Amen. So we're going to learn about faith a little bit. We're going to go to Faith 101. So Faith 101, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21, to learn a little bit about faith. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. And it reads, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is epileptic and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often falls into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said with a groan, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out, and the child was cured that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Yo, why how come we can cast that demon out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So we can learn two things about faith from this passage. The two things we can learn about faith from this passage is that you only need a little bit of faith to do really, really big things. Little bit of faith, big things. The second thing we learned is that the disciples had no faith. They had no faith. Sounds amazing, but it's what the Bible says. They had no faith. Otherwise, they could have cast the demon out and performed this righteous work. So what is faith? Faith in its most simple form, I'm trying to give you the most basic definition that I could come up with, something that you can run with. Faith in its most simple form is trust in God. I say it again. Faith is trust in God. What is faith? It is trust in God. What is faith? It is trust in God. Say it with me. What is faith? It is trust in God. Trust in God. Faith is not wishful thinking. It is not belief in a fairy tale. It is not belief against evidence. Faith is simply trust in God. So when Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain from here to here, what is he saying? He's saying that all you have to do is trust God a little bit and big things can happen. All you have to do is put a little faith in God and miracles can come forth. It only takes a little bit of faith in an all-powerful God to take something, to make something amazing 
happen. It only takes a little bit of trust in the one true God to make a big difference. Little faith can go a long way. Interestingly, in the same passage, Jesus calls his disciples, his own disciples now, not somebody else's disciples, his own disciples, faithless. He says, you are a part of a faithless and perverse generation. The guys that he handpicked to save and deliver the world, he called them faithless. And it wasn't like they had a little faith. He said they had no faith. They were faithless. Why did Jesus say that his own disciples had no faith? Well, it's simple. They had no faith because they didn't cast a demon out. The fact that his disciples were not getting any results was a sign of their faithlessness. And Jesus also gives us a little bit more insight into the situation. He calls them a part of a perverse generation. Perverse means showing a deliberate and obstinate desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable, often in spite of the consequences. So they were deliberate in their desire to do things their own way. They were deliberate in this. Whatever method they were using to cast this demon out, it was in their own power and in their own strength. It was not from God. They were looking to themselves for, their, for this man, this son's deliverance. What's the moral of the story here? Either you've got faith or you don't. Either you got mountain-moving faith or you got no faith. Thank you so much. Either you have faith that can do amazing things or you have none. Either you trust God or you don't. That's the moral of the story. Now, it may sound harsh, but this is reality. Somebody say the truth hurts sometimes. It hurts sometimes. And I know you must be thinking, because I was thinking when I was reading through this, and it's perfectly okay to ask this question. Uh, Lord, do, do I have faith? Uh, do I trust in you? Because if the disciples were faithless, then what hope do I have? If the disciples had no faith, where am I at in this picture? And this is a great question to ask. However, it's important to note something very essential about faith. Faith itself is not all-encompassing. Did you know that you can have faith about some things and no faith about other things? Did you know that you can have faith that God will save your soul and have no faith that he can heal your body? Did you know that you can have faith that somebody else's problems will get better. But I don't know if I got faith for my own stuff. You know what I'm saying? So what are we learning right here? It is possible to have complete faith in your complete faith in God in your life in some areas and zero faith in God in other areas of your life. The disciples had faith. If they didn't have faith, they wouldn't have been following Jesus. If they didn't trust him, they would not have been following this dude wherever he went. They obviously trusted him, but they trusted him as Messiah, but not, have, not having the power to be a deliverer in their life. I trust you as Messiah, 
but I don't know if I trust you to help me cast this demon out, even though he gave them the power to cast demons out in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Even though he gave them this power. So you can be completely faithful in some areas and completely faithless in others. But this isn't how fearless faith operates. Fearless faith is unencumbered by our lack of surrender. If you want to have effective faith, then every area of your life must be surrendered to God. If you want to have a faith that persists, then you have to trust God. You have to trust him in every area, not just some, not just a few, not just the comfortable parts, but in every area of your life. You have to trust him in all areas. A faith that persists says, and I'm going to trust God about this before I trust any other voice when it comes to this situation. Our faith in God must be all-encompassing. If not, then we will always be faithless to some degree or another in our life. Y'all still with me? It's making sense so far? So what is faith? It's trusting in God. How much faith do we need? Just a little bit. What should we trust in God for? All things. Man, y'all passed this class with fire colors. Faith one-on-one, boy. Y'all are equipped. Equipped. So touch some, just touch one person and say, just keep the faith. Just keep the faith. And if you're watching online, just type in the comments. Y'all, just keep the faith. Just keep the faith, okay? So now that we got faith faith one-on-one down, who's ready to graduate? Who's ready to go up a little bit? See, anyone can have a moment of faith, but not many people have a faith that persists. See, a faith that persists is a faith that believes in God day in and day out. A faith that persists believes that God is good in the good times, and he's good in the bad times, and he's good in every time in between. Persistent faith is more than just a feel-good moment. You can leave Sunday feeling like you can conquer the world. We can't even conquer Monday morning. What this series is meant to do is help us live a life of faith. And if we aren't careful, we can live our lives on autopilot instead of living by faith. If we aren't careful, we can live life just going through the motions instead of living life by faith. The faith-filled life is the one that is intentional and it's trusting of God. The faith-filled life is intentional. You don't by happenstance trust in God. You intentionally trust in God. You don't accidentally fall into believing in God. No, you choose to trust in God. You can carry this awareness of God and this awareness of faith wherever you go. You should strive to carry this awareness and this trust and this faith in God wherever you go. And it's not always going to be easy. There will be challenges. But a life of faith requires persistence. A life of faith requires perseverance. In this life, you have to strive to have a persistent faith. It is impossible to be effective 
with momentary flash-in-the-pan faith. You want to feel like you can conquer the world after a Sunday service and then actually conquer Monday morning and then actually conquer Tuesday morning and every other morning that comes by. Have a faith that persists. Have a faith that persists because it's the only way that you can successfully make it through life. We need a faith that when life gets hard, it doesn't back down, but it rises to the occasion. Amen? And I'm reminded of the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15 when I think of a faith that persists. In Matthew 15, we read about a woman who had great persistent faith. We don't know much about this woman. We don't know her name. We don't know if she was poor. We don't know if she was rich. We don't know if she lived in the palace. She was a peasant. We don't know how many kids she had. We don't know how old she was. We don't know if her mom was crazy. We don't know if her dad was controlling. We don't know if she was married or she was single. We don't know a lot about this woman. But all we know is that she had a daughter and she was desperate for help. She was desperate. She's desperate and she comes to the one person the one man who can, who can actually help her in her situation. She heard about Jesus from somebody else, but now it was time for her to trust in Jesus with her own faith. And so she comes to Jesus, scared, and she's desperate, but she is determined. And she comes to Jesus, and she asks him, Son of David, have mercy on me, pleading with him. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And we see in the Bible that Jesus answers her, not a word. Jesus basically just ignored this woman. What do you do when God is silent? What do you do when God is silent? I think Melissa will prophet. Y'all heard what she said? She said, keep going. You keep going. You don't stop. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. You keep going. You don't stop. You don't quit. You don't give up. See, the silence of God is an invitation to move closer to him, not a sign to withdraw from him. The silence of God is an invitation to grow in him, not lay down in defeat. The silence of God will produce fruit in your life that either you need or somebody else needs. The silence of God is an invitation to persist in your faith. And so she kept begging God. She kept begging God. She kept begging God, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, look at my daughter. And she begged, and she kept going, and she kept going, and she kept until she got on the disciples' nerves. Send her away, Jesus. She is getting on our nerves. She is persistent in her perseverance and her wanting to save her it's bad enough when God ain't talking to you. But what about when you got 12 other people in the background saying, give up, quit, 
Stop. What are you doing here? Go home. We don't need your kind here. This woman's daughter was in need, and the last thing she needed was 12 men telling her to quit. Get out. Go home and get on with your life. But a persistent faith don't quit. It don't listen to the naysayers. Let your haters hate. Let your naysayers nay. Let your doubters doubt. Let all those external voices go home. Just keep knocking. Just keep knocking. Just keep asking. Just keep seeking God in the situation. That's what she said. That's what she was determined to do. She says, I'm going to keep on asking God that you heal my daughter. I'm going to keep asking that you have mercy on me, son of David. I'm going to keep asking that you change my situation. I want to keep going until you move on my behalf. And that means I'm going to persist in my praise. That means I'm going to persist in my prayers. That means I'm going to persist in my faith. I've come too far to give up now. I've come too far to give up now. You've come too far to give up now. You've come too far to give up now. So this woman's perseverance and determination pays off. Now is the moment that she's been waiting for. Jesus opens his mouth and he says in verse 24, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Translation. You ain't in my job description. What do you do when you've got external voices saying that you should just give up, quit, and go home? And when God himself says, you weren't on my agenda. Well, I can tell you the easy thing to do, quit, go home, give up. As a matter of fact, I even think that might have been the logical thing to do. But fearless faith, however, looks past current circumstances. And a faith that persists keep going in spite of adversity, even when the adversity is caused by God himself. It only takes, it, only, it is only faith to give up when God says give up. It's only faith to give up when God says get up, give up. Meaning, if you ain't got a word to give up, you don't give up. You keep going, and you keep pursuing God, and you keep persisting. She never got a word that said give up, lay down, and die. It's only faith when you get a word that says give up. So until you get a word that says give up, stop it, it's dead, and it ain't coming back, I encourage us to keep going. I encourage us to keep going. Still. What do you do when you're desperate for divine intervention and stumbling blocks just keep popping up and popping up and popping up? You cry out all the more. 
You praise him all the more. You thank him all the more. You worship him in a deeper way. You love him just a little bit harder. And you keep blessing him and thanking him for all that he's done. And when you can't do it no more, well, you just call somebody up and say, I'm tired. I need some help. I'm tired. Will somebody come alongside of me? Pastor Angela may be struggling with the church, so maybe she just called do 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 two zero five two four zero three eight nine two. Nathan, I'm struggling. It don't look like the church is going to come through. It don't look like it's going to make it. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm worried. I'm worried. Help me out. And I say, it's all right, my sister. Don't worry. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. If God be for you, who can be against you? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are the head and not the tail. You can do all things. You don't have to give up on this. So you may be struggling in some other area. Maybe your children just going crazy, going buck wild, you don't understand. It's okay. You call 205-240-3892, and, I, and you tell me your problem. My wife acting crazy. My kids acting crazy. I'm acting crazy. Somebody help me. I don't want to give up. It's all right. Don't worry. I got you. God says, peace. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. You say, I've come too far to give up now. Somebody touch somebody and say, I've come too far to give up now. And if you're online, touch somebody, type in, I've come too far to give up now. The Bible says in verse 25 that she worshiped God. She didn't give up even though how bad it looked. In a tough situation, even though it didn't make sense, she praised God all the more. She thanked him for being all-powerful. She thanked him for being all-knowing and all-wise. She praised him for being the Messiah and the Savior of the world. She blessed him. She honored him. And what did all her worship And what did all her praise get her? Verse 26 tells us that Jesus said, but he answered and said, it is not good to take up the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now, I don't know about you all, but I think I just would have turned to Eeyore at this point and Giving up. Whatever you were doing when you were reading this passage, it's like an instantaneous frown just comes over your face when you face when you read this part of the story. At this point, I'm just like stick and fork at me because I'm done. I mean, I just I just tell myself it's just it's over. So I get my ear on and I just say, "Okay, Jesus, you win." I'm a dog. Thanks for nothing. I'll go home now. The white flag would have been raised. And I truly believe that this woman would have raised her white flag too if she had one. But she didn't bring a white flag to this battle. She didn't bring give up to this situation. She didn't bring quit to this occasion. 
She had a God-sized problem, and if God didn't solve it, well, guess what? It wasn't going to get solved. And since she didn't have a white flag to raise in the first place, then she had to find some way to get God's attention. And so the very next thing she tells God is absolutely astonishing. She says, yes, Lord. Call me whatever you want to call me. Put me in whatever position you want to put me in. Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. When you have God-sized problems, you need God-sized answers. When you have God-sized problems and you need God-sized answers, then persistent faith won't stop until every rock is turned over, until every avenue has been traveled. You're not going to give up. A faith that persists stays in. It builds a fort. It builds trenches. You got a moat going around you, and you bear down. And so you draw your sign, you draw your line in the sand. And so when the enemy starts and he comes throwing bombs at you, you are to hanker down. I'm not going nowhere. When the enemy starts waylaying you at night, I ain't going nowhere. I got a promise that I'm looking forward to. When you are tired and weary and stressed out from the bombardments and the grenades and all the different things that are happening, you have your feet set. You ain't going nowhere. You're not giving up. There is no other option. I'm going to get God to move until there's nothing left of my problem or there's nothing left of me. She burned her white flag. She didn't have one. She didn't have give up in the situation. Her daughter was in need. She had God-sized problems, and she needed a God-sized answer for that problem. So this woman trusted in God, and she planted her feet in what God could do for her. And God moved on her behalf. He moved on her behalf. He moved on her behalf. She said, God, I don't need the full course meal. I don't need what you give to the children of Israel. All I need is the crumbs that fall off their plate. The crumbs from the table of God are enough to change a generation. The crumbs from the table of God are enough to change a life. The crumbs from the table of God are enough to set us free. God, I don't need all that stuff. I just need a little bit. I just need a little bit from the Almighty, and I've got enough. So what about you? Where is your faith currently? Specifically, where is your faith in your most difficult issues? Are you trusting in God for divine intervention? Or are you manipulating things to get what you want in the time that you want it? Is God really your only option, or are you over here devising plan B, plan C, and plan D if God don't work it out? The journey of faith is long. It's got ups, it's got downs, and it's got obstacles all over. The last thing that we need is a faith that mirrors our emotional life. Up one day, down another. Strong one day, weak another. Fearless one day, and faithless another. The last thing that we need is a faith 
that mirrors our emotional life. Fearless faith is faith to believe in God for all things that he's promised to you. Fearless faith is a faith that believes in God for everything that you need to be successful. Let your faith be fearless faith. Let your faith be a faith that persists. Live a life of faith that actually looks like God is involved with it. Do you know you can live a life that looks like there is no divine intervention whatsoever? It looks like you did everything. You got the house, you got the car, you got the mansion, you got everything. Challenge you to live a life that says, you know what? This one nothing but God. Amen. 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 So in Luke 18, we read about another woman who displays a faith that persists. So we'll wrap up by reading Luke 18, and we'll start at verse 1. Verse 1 says, then he spoke to them that men ought to always pray and never lose heart, saying, there was a certain judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in the city, and she came to the judge, saying, get justice for me and my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear man, though, do I, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Least by her continual coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall God not avenge his own elect? who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? Now I know this woman is to be commended for her says, nevertheless, will the Son of Man come? Will he really find faith? Jesus ain't even looking for mountainside faith. He's just looking for faith. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit our website www.r4sq.org We pray you have a blessed week. God bless.